You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. Today's scripture reading is Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 27. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Hear the word of God. Remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. This is the word of the Lord. Well, peace be with you. And also with you, Sojourn family, in the words of the great Harlem Renaissance poet, Langston Hughes, it's a long way from where you live to where I live, but there's a direct line from your heart to mine. As I stand here today in a mostly empty sanctuary that is normally uh, filled with God's people singing praises to him and anticipating his word, I I stand longing and imagining the day when we will do that again. And even at the beginning of the sermon, I want to start off just by praising God that even in the midst of this pandemic, that he um, has provided this church with such faithful servants. Um, You've heard from our worship team already, um, the work that they put in week in and week out to provide us with gospel-centered Uh, Music is absolutely incredible. The sacrifices that they make uh, collectively, you all, we just say thank you. But also to our entire staff, I have just been blown away with the selflessness and the Christ-centeredness and the the love that our staff has uh, for their church and and ultimately for the Lord. They have put in uh, more hours than usual as a result of what is happening, thinking of creative ways to serve the body. As St. Augustine said, teamwork makes the dream work. All right. He didn't say that, but still teamwork does make the dream work. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you all for all the things that you do week in and week out. Uh, Let's pray. And then we're going to dive into the word. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Your word reminds us that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Your word tells us that your sheep know your voice and a stranger they will not follow. So, Father God, I pray that you would feed us until we want no more. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In the matchless, wonderful, victorious, marvelous name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, amen. A pastor friend of mine posted on social media this week, a conversation that he had with a a 90-year-old member of his church. 
And he talked about how this member was reflecting on the fact that in her 90 plus years of being alive, that she can only think of one time in which a, a, a crisis like this hit. And she went back to her, her memories of the, the great Louisville flood that happened in 1937. And she mentioned how, as a result of this great flood, how school was canceled for five weeks and, and how people died as a result of the typhoid fever. This is a, a strange day. This is a, a strange a period. This is unusual. This is a once or twice in a lifetime type of an event. And as a result, as a church, we don't want to just go on as, as business as usual. So we are, are taking a step outside of our Matthew series. And in a few weeks, we will uh, more than likely revisit uh, the book of Matthew. But we wanted to specifically for the next several uh, weeks uh, do a sermon series that's going to speak directly into uh, this crisis and help us to be formed as the people of God. And the title of this sermon series is simply This Incredible Opportunity. Possibility amidst adversity. And during this season of adversity as a church, I hope that the series will encourage you to not uh, retreat in fear or to give in to a sinful temptations and to self-medicate. Our prayer is that during this time of adversity that we would not result to to alcohol or go deeper into addictions, but rather I pray that you would be like a, a nail hit with a hammer. The harder a nail is hit, the deeper it goes. In the same way, the harder we are hit during this time of adversity, I pray that the deeper we will go in Christ together. And I believe that the Lord, Sojourn Midtown, has been preparing us for this moment as he has placed upon our heart this call to be a gritty church, this call to be a passionate church who is persevering by faith. What stands before us is an incredible opportunity. But part of this opportunity and part of us seizing this moment is us taking this opportunity to lament and that's what we want to talk about today, the, the opportunity to lament. And for some of us, we like the opportunity to lament. Uh, Pastor Jamal, lament is, is not an opportunity that I want to take. Uh, this doesn't sound like a, a, a good opportunity. And in fact, my whole life has felt like a lament. My last five years of living has felt like a lament. The last five months, the last five days has been a constant lament. Pastor Jamal, I don't know if I have what it takes to, to cry or to lament anymore. And while definitions of lament can be uh, to express oneself through a loud cry or expressions of, of grief, from a biblical perspective, lament is more than sorrow or, or talking about sadness. It is more than walking through stages of grief. In his excellent book, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, Mark Vrogrip says, defines biblical lament as a prayer in pain that leads to trust in God. I'm going to say that biblical lament is not simply us acknowledging our pain or crying or being sad, but it is an intentional prayer that we make in our pain that leads 
to trust in God that leads to praise. To lament is not simply to cry. To lament is is an honest prayer from a hurting heart that becomes a statement of faith and dependence on God. It is the heart, as Mark V says, wrestling with the paradox of of pain and the the promise of God's goodness. And the Bible throughout, it, it, it models for us the importance of lament. The book of Job is a is a book of lament. The wisdom literature, the book of Ecclesiastics is is, is a book of of lament. Most of the Psalter, in fact, uh, uh, anywhere from 40 to 50% of the Psalms that we have can be classified as a book of lament. Biblical lament is a gift to us. It is a gift to our soul. The Bible is trying to form us and to shape us, to, to handle diversity in a way that makes us whole, in a way that draws us closer to God. And yet, for many of us, lament is something that we avoid because we really don't understand it. Most experts say that only 5% or 9% of, of the Christian songs that are sung on a Sunday morning will be categorized as a lament, and yet the Psalter, the scriptures that teach us how to sing and, and teach us how to lament records 40 to 50% of it being about lament. Sojourn, during this season, during this unprecedented time, I want to call you to embrace lament. Embrace lament so that we will not be a church that is emotionally and spiritually an inch deep. Embrace lament so that we would be a people that is a mile deep. Embrace lament so that we can can know the depth, the height, the width, and the breadth of God's love. Embrace lament so that we can be poor in spirit and mourn in order that we would be filled by God and find his comfort. Before we can maximize this opportunity and experience renewal and revival. We must be honest about what we are feeling. We must process our pain. The book of Lamentations helps us to do this. Lamentations is written by the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And around uh, 586, 587 BC, we see that the Babylonians has come in and they have laid siege on Jerusalem. And, and they've laid siege on Jerusalem and, and brought all kind of havoc. They would end up taking the royals from Jerusalem along with those who were most talented. And they would leave the common person behind. Historians say that when the Babylonians would come into a city that they would completely ransack it. They would set it on fire to let people know that they were in control and they were in power. And that's what we see. And that is the context of the book of Jeremiah. Now, God warned his people that this was going to happen. 
This was going to happen to his people because his people were living in habitual and intentional rebellion against him. So Israel uh, is going to go into captivity because of their own sin. They're going to go into captivity because of the Babylonians who's going to bring oppression. But they're also going to go into captivity because God uh, wanted to use this time as a, a time to discipline them, to restore them, and to revive them. And the prophet Jeremiah is there on the ground in Jerusalem, walking around, collecting stories from mothers and grandmothers and pending this, this poetic book showing why he is lamenting. Jeremiah had to be lamenting in a big, a big way because he had done everything he could to warn Israel that this was coming. And while he was preaching that judgment was coming, false prophets were preaching it's not coming. God says peace to his people. Jeremiah is reporting fake news. And then suddenly it happened. Babylon swept through Israel like a plague and completely torched the land. And this is what we have. Jeremiah weeping and lamenting. Sometimes he's speaking in first person. Other times he's speaking in third person. Sometimes he's speaking as a, as a mother or a grandmother as he's collecting these stories. But look at what he says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, speaking of Jerusalem, how she sits alone. The city once crowded with people. She who was great among the nations has become like a widow. The princess among the province have been put to forced labor. She weeps bitterly during the night with tears on her cheeks. Hear this personification. There is no one to offer her comfort. Not one from all of her lovers. All of her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Verse 16. And I weep because of these things. My eyes flow with tears for there is no one nearby to comfort me, no one to keep me alive. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. This is intense. This is intense. This reminds me of an article that I read in USA Today. It's written by a basketball player named Lamar Stevens who plays for Penn State University. For the first time in nine years, Penn State was headed to the big dance, and Lamar was the star of that team. And what's interesting is, is just as Lamar was preparing for his next game, he found out that the season was canceled. And what was interesting about this is that Lamar was just seven points away from becoming the all-time leading scorer for Penn State. Seven points and just like that, his season and his college career as a senior is over. Just like that. This week, I heard from a number of friends who were lamenting because they had planned family vacations and spring break was coming up. One friend was creative and, and he was taking his whole family on a, on a cruise. And just like that, it won't happen. My youngest sister is graduating from college in a couple of weeks. And as a family, we were uh, planning to go and to, to be there with her and to celebrate. And just like that, our plans were altered. 
And, and, and that's kind of the light stuff, the vacation, basketball, a, a graduation. Some of us in this church and in the city has lost jobs. Some have lost businesses. I've talked to some who have watched their retirement as they are etching towards the day of their retirement dwindle. And just like that, it is gone. COVID-19 has served like, uh, like Thanos. It seems like we're in the, the middle of a Marvel movie, but this is not entertainment. This is real life. Some people are really hurting and feeling the pressure of the times. And the question is, what do you do? How do you respond? Some of our sent ones are overseas serving the Lord, and now they are forced to be inside of their house, away from their family, just like that. Their plans and their dreams to reach their community, to reach their city is altered. What do we do when we've been Thanos? We lament. We lament. Terrence Real says, too often the wounded boy grows up to become a wounding man, inflicting upon those closest to him the very distress he refuses to acknowledge within himself. Terrence Real is on to something. When we don't take time to lament, when we don't take time to, to take what is in our heart and the disappointments that we experience and to open uh, that, that, that duffel bag and to honestly deal with it and to place our, our hurts and how we've been sinned against and how we've sinned against others and how we've been disappointed, when we don't take time to process that, we end up not only wounding others, but we end up wounding ourselves. We end up self-medicating. What happens is bitterness and anger builds up on the inside of us. We become more depressed. And God's invitation to us is to unpack our hearts, to unpack our backs so that we can be whole, so that we can be healthy, so that we can experience the presence of God. And for some of us, we're just not in a place or a season right now to lament because everything is going well. Rather than famine, we're experiencing peace. We're like, my job hasn't been taken. My job hasn't been altered. I'm enjoying this extra time. Well, this is a time for you to weep with those who weep. This is a time for you to bear the burdens of others. This is why I'm fascinated about the book of Lamentations. In the book of Lamentations, we see Jeremiah oftentimes going from first person to third person. Sometimes he's speaking as if he is someone else. He confesses his sin and he joins into the corporate sin of Israel. Though he was a righteous man, though he was not uh, 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 living a, a life of injustice, he identifies with the children of Israel as he is writing because he is bearing the people's burdens. So my invitation for you too is to pause, to, to have empathy and to lament well. And how do you lament well? There's four things that we see throughout the scripture that show us how to lament well. The first way that you lament well is by turning to God. When we talk about lamenting, we're not simply talking about complaining to a spouse or to friends, to roommates or to our community group. No, we're saying turn to God. Lamentations chapter 2 verse 19. The author of Lamentations write, pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence. Lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who are fainting from hunger at the head of every street. 
Jeremiah is telling Israel, pour out your heart like water before the Lord. Turn to God during your distress. Second, share your complaint with the Lord. In verse 19 through 20, Jeremiah writes, my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. He says, listen, Lord, I have been depressed. He shares his complaint with the Lord. Three, not only does he share his complaint with the Lord, but he makes a request to the Lord. And what's Jeremiah's request to the Lord in this text is to remember. Lord, don't forget me. Remember my pain. Remember my loss. Remember my sorrow. Remember my loneliness. Remember my brokenness. Remember my sadness. Jeremiah processes his pain in a way that is honest. He owns his current state. He says, Lord, I have become depressed. Notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't just put some trite little uh, uh, Christianese sticker on his pain. He doesn't say, listen, I'm too blessed to be stressed. He doesn't start casting the demon of sadness out. I bind this demon of sadness and depression in the name of Jesus. No, no, no. He owns it. He says, this is my reality. Biblical lament is healthy. Naming your reality, turning to God, sitting in your pain reminds you that you live in a fallen world and that you are a a human being who sin and who is completely impacted by sin and the sin of others and you don't just simply need help you need a savior and when we own that we don't waddle in it in despair but rather we turn to God and trust believing that he can turn our pain to praise that's what we see in Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 I love what Jeremiah says he says yet I called this to mind and therefore I have hope I called this to mind yet I call this to mind I love what the New Living Translation says yet I dare to hope when I remember this mm. right now in the Facebook live link uh, a, a, a stream a link is going to be shared This is a resource that we created this week to help uh, members of our church to lament well. It goes through the Psalms. It goes through these steps. And we're inviting every person in our church to take time to write their own song or psalm of lament, to process your own pain during this time, to, to process your own loss. And not only that, there's a section to keep to help you to teach your children to do that. But lament doesn't just simply process your pain. Lament is a slowing down intentionally to give God praise in the midst of pain. And that takes faith. Faith, as one author said, is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over a chasm and two, you're forced to walk unto it. During the season of loss, God is inviting us to step out on this footbridge. Faith is an attitude that says, F-A-I-T-H, for all I trust him. Now is the time, Christian, to, to exercise your faith in the midst of a loss of your business, in the midst of sadness, because that wedding that had 100 uh, people or, or 
200 people that you are planning to come will now only have 10 or 12 people close to you. Now is the time to, to step out on faith and to say, God, you are good. You are all wise. You are loving. Nothing will separate me from your love. Lord, I'm in pain, but my faith says you know all things and you work all things together for my good. Step out on that footbridge. And the way you step out on that footbridge is by reminding yourself of, of what is true. And the first thing Jeremiah does is he reminds himself of the Lord's faithfulness. Because the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercies never cease. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I who put my hope in him. Faith and grace are the hinges of our belief. We believe that God is faithful. And not only is he faithful, but he has hesed towards us. He has a covenantal love towards us. And it's his love that keeps us from perishing for God. So love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Somebody at home say hesed. His faithful love keeps us from perishing. But not only is it his faithful love that keeps us from perishing, but, but the text shows us that the Lord's mercy is absolutely astonishing. A, he says, it never ends. Woo! My mercy may end, but God's mercy never ends. B, it is new every single morning. Every single morning we have a, a new mercy, new, new mercy. And I believe what that means is every time we wake up in, in the morning, it is, a, it is a fresh start to a new day, a day in which we can set our affections on God and be reminded that, that he loves us. And when we pause to remember what the Lord has done for us, I believe that his spirit will begin to reveal to us new ways that he's been merciful to us. He will open our eyes to see new acts of, of grace, new ways that he's kept us, new ways that he's comforted us, new ways that he's protected us, new ways that he's grown us. So if you find yourself today feeling hopeless, I want to encourage you to remember these things and to remind yourself that hopelessness, hopelessness is a, a, a gauge of the heart and a sign to us that we have misplaced our hope, that we've put our hope in the wrong thing. If you find yourself hopeless right now, it, it might be because you thought that that job was providing for you. That job was not your ultimate provision. Jesus is your provider. That position is, is not your identity. Jesus is your identity. That circumstance is not where you find your rest. Jesus is the shepherd that gives you rest. And so the Lord is inviting you to see that he is your portion. The Lord is inviting you as Jeremiah to see that, that he is good to those who wait. And so my encouragement to you is to see this time as a corporate time sojourn where God is inviting us to, to go take a nap and to rest. 
For some of us, God is putting us in time out because, because we have forgotten that it is he who keeps us and he who provides for us and, and he who is our identity and he who is our portion. And he said, I just need you to take a seat for a minute so that you can place your hope back in me and remember my character, remember my goodness. And we do that by lamenting. We do that by embracing where he has us. We do that by turning to Jesus and making our requests known to our mediator, knowing he is faithful. We do that by repenting. Jesus modeled for us throughout his life what it is to lament. The Bible says that he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Just hours before Jesus was taken captive, he cried and he prayed this prayer, Lord, if there is any way possible, take this cup from me. But Jesus took his, his request and turned it into a praise when he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I believe that it was, it was Jesus, and, and because he took time to lament, instead of becoming bitter on the cross, he was able to become a blessing and say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus modeled for us how to deal with our pain, how to take it to the Lord, and because he took it to the Lord, he was able to bless other people in spite of them. Y'all don't hear me. Rather than lashing out to your roommate or your spouse in this season, take time to lament and then you'll be able to bless them instead of bite them when, when they're tapping on your last nerve. I'm so glad Jesus lamented well. I'm so glad Jesus processed it well because if Jesus had not processed it well, if Jesus had not processed it well, he would have called down a legion of angels and he would have destroyed his enemies. And if Jesus had not processed it well, he would not have allowed his body to be put into that tomb. If Jesus had not processed it well, he would not have risen on the third day with all power in his hand. If Jesus had not processed it well, he would not have taken his seat on the right hand of the Father. If Jesus had not processed it well, he would not have redeemed his church and his people. If Jesus had not processed it well, I would not be able to stand here today saying that I have been bought with a price and made alive together with you in Christ Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus took time to lament. Christian, now is the time. Now is the time to go to the Lord. Close with this, Lamentations chapter 3, it's 22 through 23 is a, a passage that we see oftentimes quoted Sometimes we, we see it normally kind of just quoted or used as a screensaver. And most of the times when we see it quoted or plastered on something, the picture kind of looks like this. It's a picture of like Disney World or a castle. And it's like, oh, because the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish for his mercy never ends. This is people's favorite text to quote when they're on a beach. Sipping orange juice or pina colada. But notice this is not when Jeremiah quotes this. The scene is more like this. Jeremiah quotes and calls to remembrance the Lord's faithfulness at a dark time. 
And here's what I want you to take away from this morning. In a dark chapter, in a dark book, at a dark time, God gives Jeremiah a ray of hope. In a dark chapter, in a dark season, in a dark time, as Christians, we always have a ray of hope because of the gospel. And if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to pray the greatest prayer of lament, which is, Father, I am a sinner. I am alienated from you. I do not have a relationship with you. I deserve wrath and judgment. Yet I call this to mind. Your son, Jesus Christ, came into this world as a a human being, yet without laying aside his divinity to die the death that I deserve so that I might have eternal life. And it's through that prayer of lament that the Lord can rem- will relent from his judgment on you and, and adopt you into his family and make you his own. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com Midtown.